0: Welcome. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Show with Roshan Lungani, Eric Olson, and Adrian Nicholson. This show is an exploration of ideas to help you work toward your ideal retirement. Get ready for the financial independence of your dreams.
1: Welcome to the Retirement Lifestyle Show. I'm your co host, Roshan Lungani, here with Adrian Nicholson. We have another great episode for you today. Adrian, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great, Roshan. Last podcast of 2023. I'm excited.
1: It is, and you're, uh, you're uh, taking some time off after uh, the day after tomorrow. Are you excited?
2: Yes, I'm headed up to Maine for our listeners and viewers. Excited to spend Christmas and the holidays up there. Looking forward to that. Was able to catch up with some of my friends and some of my colleagues as well. A couple holiday parties. So I've been having a lot of fun the last couple of weeks and just excited for this time of year.
1: Oh, that's great! Yeah, definitely a fun time of fun time of year. A lot to a lot to do, and uh, we've got, as you said, our last episode. We're recording for the year. We're doing a year in review, and you know, previously we talked about our last episode, twenty twenty four market outlook. I think with the year in uh, review, it also does create some opportunities or some ideas for looking forward as well. So Adrian, why don't you start us off? What What have you got ready for us for the year in review?
2: Yeah, I'd be happy to. And for preparing for this podcast, I was overwhelmed just kind of reflecting on the year, all the lessons I've learned. And I just came to the conclusion, I've learned a lot, a lot's happened this year. So it was really hard for me to just focus on one thing. But I guess my biggest advice or the lesson I have just going into the new year, and we touched on this in previous podcasts and episode, is the importance of staying disciplined and focusing on the things that you can control.
1: Yeah, so I, I think that's a great one. Can you, can you expand on that? And I'll share some thoughts as well.
2: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So let's just go with the first one that I brought up is the importance of staying disciplined. Like I mentioned, we spoke about this on a previous podcast, more so focusing on the investing side of it. But sometimes just being disciplined goes a little bit more beyond that. And that's just vital going into a new year, whatever your goals may be, just being as rational and syst- systematic as possible and placing certain approaches and certain principles or guidelines in place for whatever you're trying to achieve can be crucial and help you stay on track because we know with a new year, as we talked about before, comes new risk and new opportunities. And for you to mitigate risk and capitalize on opportunities, having a plan in place, having a disciplined approach in place can help you be more successful navigating some uncertain things that may come up in the new year.
1: Excellent. I, I completely agree with everything that you that you said staying discipline is very very important that's one of your lessons for the for the year um, I, I just want to take a step back and just review the year first and then we can jump back to this lesson when I did take note of yours of uh, staying discipline so just a couple things that I saw this year that are definitely worth uh, worth noting uh, and Adrian, please jump in or tell me if you've got anything else to add. But one is, I think this year was very much driven by inflation and rates. You know what the Fed's going to do. Um, that that's a, a big one, and I would, I feel like we are not fully past that there's always uh you know the fed always has a lot of power with with the markets but past that in the sense that i think people are now instead of concerned about the fed raising rates and the risk of inflation i think the overwhelming thought is that inflation is under control we haven't got to the fed's target yet but under control and people are now looking at uh rate which are always a positive for the market. If rates get cut, both bonds and stocks, uh, the principal value you should see go up.
2: Mm -hmm. And since we're talking about just the higher rates that we saw this year, a significant event that we touched on talked about was everything that was going on with the banks. Certain banks were going out of business. People were having run on the banks, something that people really haven't seen in a long time. So that's something, too, that... I think people can draw a lot of lessons from as well. I mean, we had a lot of conversations with some of our clients this year that were concerned saying, you know, is my money safe in the bank? What what should I do? And that's where we had the conversation of, you know, making sure you find uh, banks that have FDIC insurance, making sure you're you're diversified and taking that all into account. But I think that was the first big shock people saw with higher rates, because when rates started going up, you're going to Certain sectors, certain industries started to get concerned and you saw it get impact uh, certain banks out there. So that's just something, too, that people need to uh, consider going to the new year. How higher interest rates can maybe impact certain areas they're investing in, where they have their finances or where their portfolio is allocated to.
1: Uh, yes. So, uh, uh... Uh, agree with everything. First, uh, the banks, I mean, when you, uh, you think about it, this was uh, in, you know, roughly March. And uh, I'm sure the people who ran these banks, at least some of them, uh, blame the fastest rate hike cycle as, as helping to lead to their decline. But, I mean, Silvergate failed, Signature Bank failed, First Republic Bank failed. And the, the one that got the most press was Silicon Valley Bank those were pretty huge failures. And I'm starting to see and hear a lot now about um, the opportunities that might be available. Things seem to have stabilized in that space. This is a great time for us to give our disclaimer that this is not investment advice. Uh, We're just giving you some uh, ideas to look into, some thoughts, and we're just giving the year-end review, providing the, the information out there. And you know, banks took a, took a hit last year because of the, particularly regionals, and that may be a place to look for opportunities now. We actually spent uh, two episodes, I believe it was, where we talked about the banks and I did a really deep dive into them uh, last year as well. So you know, sometimes the crisis uh, can create opportunities.
2: Mm -hmm. I agree with that, Roshan. Good point.
1: Another big one for the year, uh, as far as things that happened this past year, I don't think you can talk about 2023 without talking about AI.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's that's huge. And that was some of the what fueled the magnificent seven, too. I think that's something that was also on investors radar this year. A few stocks moving, moving the markets.
1: Yeah, that definitely is. I want to come back to that in a second. I just want to add another name on the list, which is one of the best performing stocks in 2023 it was NVIDIA, very much fueled by the the AI chip. And Adrian, you touched on a big theme for, for this year, the Magnificent Seven, right? The Magnificent Seven, that's the nickname for a lot of the big technology stocks that we uh, that we have that really drove the, drove the market, that's Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Meta, Microsoft, Nvidia, and Tesla. And as of October, they accounted for more than 30% of the uh, S&P's gain were, were these, I'm, I'm sorry, they were up on average more than 30% as of October, and they accounted for 87% of the gain of the S&P for the year. So the majority wow, of, the, of this gain was driven, yeah, just these seven, seven stocks. A couple just other interesting data points that, uh, about, these, about these seven stocks. One is um, these seven stocks are now bigger uh, than every single stock of the Russell 2000, which is a small cap index stock combined. That's just massive. Right. These seven companies are bigger, bigger than that. I wish I could remember this exact stat. Uh, I don't. So I'm going to I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to just give some of the information. But there was something I listened to recently that said AirPods, just AirPods, which are owned by Apple. AirPod sales. If you if you pulled them out independently, just AirPods, they would be a large company on their own. Right there within oh, wow. the bigger mm-hmm. uh, Apple, uh, but it just gives you an idea of how how huge these companies are.
2: Mm-hmm. And I, it also highlights the the consumer in a way because going back in the year, there was a lot of people that were skeptical, thinking how strong is the consumer going to be in twenty twenty three, and it it held up really well. Employment too, that is a factor as well with consumer spending as well because. If that got worse, you could also see a dip in consumer spending. So that held up really well this year. I'm sure the Fed was happy to see that. But I think that was a big play in how this year really went, just uh, how strong the consumer is. And that's something that people need to look at going into the new year. Is that trend going to continue?
1: And, and I, I believe that that's really what uh, uh, helped us avoid a recession right is is that you've got employment numbers have been strong and consumers have been spending money and i think that is how you avoid a recession you have uh you have that that by the definition you know you have the the strength in employment um next thing just sort of what happened last year uh or this year excuse me is uh Crypto. Uh, crypto finally came uh, came back the uh, way it was described very well in this Forbes article is uh, the crypto winter finally thawed and uh, Bitcoin was up over 128% on the year. And uh, there's potential for the first spot Bitcoin ETF in 2024, which could potentially send that up. Another great time to say this is not advice at all. This is just something for you to look into and and research to help build your portfolio. But that's another thing I saw um, in my year in review that I thought was was pretty big news. Is that you know, cryptos had a few tough years, and now it looks like it's uh, it's uh, may have started to, to turn the other way
2: yeah and volatility is still a big thing with crypto just the amount and the momentum that just moves with this i still hasn't gone away and that's something where are we going to see that trend continue where it has these big up and down swings that's just something that you always have to be aware of if this is a space that you're interested in it's understanding the risk that goes into it and how it's just going to well regulation too that's just also something that's being talked about as well are they going to have favorable legislation or not that's something that's going to be a driving factor for this and that's something that's got to be top of mind when you do your research when you look into this space i mean that's my my opinion on it
1: yeah I, and, and any of these things right i would agree you've got to do a lot of research and and uh and some homework um
2: and there's a couple so many of the out things there 20- too where the big winner i I, I believe, I don't, I'm not following it as much, but Bitcoin, I got to believe is the one of the big winners this year. But there's still so many different cryptocurrencies out there where it's just, it can be a lot and all of them move in different directions. And that's something else that you got to consider as well. I mean, one of the big stories that people are familiar with is what happened with Sam Bankman Friedman and his company going out of business because one of the cryptos they were heavily invested in lost the majority of its value. So that's just, a real life example that investors need to consider out there.
1: Yeah. And I tried to find a more recent date, but this is as of May of this year. There are almost 23,000 cryptocurrencies as of May. We've probably crossed that 23,000 uh, mark as far as how many there are out there. So, yeah, definitely be careful in that space and do do a lot of do a lot of homework. Um, couple other things I've got for themes for last year, uh, for this year, excuse me, 2023. We're still in 2023, but then looking forward into uh, 2024, uh, we actually talked about the the inflation uh, and the interest rates in 2023. Well, going forward for 2024, the bond market is pricing an 80% chance that the uh, Fed will Pivot from rate hikes to rate cuts by May, and the and analysts are forecasting an 11.6% gain on average for the S&P 500 for for next year. So I think a lot of the the fear we I mentioned this at the at the beginning, and Adrian you added to it, but a lot of the fear from last from this year 2023 of rate hikes and inflation has really started to shift with anticipation of rate cuts uh, leading to potential gains for next year.
2: Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you brought this up because this was on my list as far as a lesson this year and something that people just need to focus on more is asset allocation because with higher rates, there's more opportunities, more ways for investors to get creative in creating a well-designed portfolio that meets their needs, their objectives, their goals, whatever whatever it is, because there's different opportunities out there. As we talked about before, there's just so many things people can invest in nowadays and just structure in a way that is best for you is, is, is critical too. And depending on whatever uh, way rates move, you got to make sure that that doesn't significantly impact you as well, because that can affect, as we know, the bond market since they're Highly correlated, so asset allocation is more important than ever, especially going into New Year, where you can monitor that and just see what moves you can make to protect yourself and navigate the future.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, Adrian, let's going on to to lessons. Let's go into to some of the lessons we have. There was actually a really good article that I found uh, in the Wall Street Journal. It's from December fifth by melody hobson and and uh john w rogers they are with aerial funds so john w rogers jr is the founder and co-ceo melody hobson is the co-ceo they've done great as far as the investing track record over there they have a wonderful article once again it's called um uh, i'm going to read the exact title it's called what the stock market taught us this year Uh, and colon don't fall for these investing traps. I think there were some great lessons. So you shared, uh, I believe you've shared one of yours so far, which was staying disciplined, correct? Mm
2: -hmm. Yes.
1: Correct. So I want to share some of their lessons, which I think will be very useful for our, uh, for our listeners, really for, for me, just reading the article and then share some of ours as well. So Adrian, actually, why don't we go in? What, what lesson do you have next that stood out?
2: So the next one I had was, um, I touched on in the beginning, was focus on what you can control. And I think that's extremely important because as we know, markets fluctuate and there's a lot of external factors that move markets, move companies, move investments, move your portfolio that you really don't have any uh, factors to control it. So you really have to see What can I do today? What are the steps in my own control that I can do that can help me navigate uncertain times or markets fluctuating, going up and down, somewhat of a roller coaster ride? So being able to capitalize when you can, mitigate risk when you can, review your plan, see what different strategies or what things you can kind of adjust can can go a long way and make you feel more in control and be more resilient if tough times are ahead. So I think that's uh, a lesson not only that I learned this year, but can really be applied throughout a number of things.
1: Yeah, th- that's exactly what I was thinking when you shared that one is that um, these are lessons that I imagine you didn't learn this year, but you've, you've learned them really throughout your life. And maybe there's something this year that makes them stand out. But I think they go beyond investing in finance uh, and to, to you can use it for anything in life. So the the two that you mentioned once again, stay disciplined and then focus on what you control. Those are great uh, lessons, or really just things to to keep with you throughout for anything you do yeah, in life, yeah. whether it's. Yeah.
2: And why I think it's important now, it's because like I said, the the, mar- the <laughs> markets have just been swinging up and down. They have been volatile. I compare it the example I use as a, as a roller coaster. So with that, it's, it can be a lot for people to really just research, analyze, decide what may be their next step. But going back to what I said, uh, being disciplined is a good place to start and focusing on what you can control are always, like I said, to navigate, to move forward, be resilient for whatever obstacles or challenges are ahead.
1: Yeah, agreed. Agreed completely. Uh, what other lessons do you have on your, on your list?
2: So those are just the two main ones. I'm just curious on what... Uh, you have and what the article is going to line out.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to start with the um, with the list that, that they have, and then I'll go go with mine because there's a little bit of overlap. But the first one that they mentioned is don't Fed watch. Uh, sector sold off because of fears uh, banks, some industrial names. And they said you can be well positioned if you take a longer term, a term view. So uh, one of the ways they, they put it in the article I thought was very well written, it says, um, if you invest by watching the Fed like a tennis match and then reacting to every volley, you'll get it wrong. So Don't, don't Fed Watch was their first one. Uh, their second one's an interesting one, which I think people can, can take into next year. Um, and I also think people can debate this one, which is why I find it so interesting. So Adrian, I'd love your, love your thoughts on this. But they had said don't buy the hype. And what they mean by that is that uh, those top tech stocks, the Magnificent Seven, accounted for so much of the, of the gain that uh, the Russell 2000, the smaller cap stocks, they're saying, are amongst the most neglected waiting to get their due. Uh, and they and that, that's where they see a potential opportunity, that um, that you can find stocks that have good fundamentals, particularly in the small cap space, that'll outperform going forward, and they expect some reversion to the mean with these magnificent magnificent seven. Stocks, once again, do your research. Uh, this is not advice. We're just reviewing this with you. But Adrian, any, any thoughts on that? One, there are a few important things here. One, uh, they had said there's opportunities in, in small cap to outperform. And two, they think there may be a reversion to the mean for, these, uh, for the Magnificent second, Seven stocks, which means there's potential downside there. So, any thoughts on either of those statements?
2: The first thing that comes to mind is the fear of missing out. I think that is what's coming into play here, where, as we mentioned before, the Magnificent Seven have been really hitting some really great gains this year. And that has some investors on the sideline wondering, is this going to continue? Am I missing out? Do I have to, do I have to make some decision right now? And that, that's just something where it's, you have to really take it by case by case basis. Maybe some of them are like that article point out, they reverse the mean, which means they go back to a historical average price that they've been at. Maybe some of them continue to go even higher. It's, it's just something where you have to do your research and homework and see which ones are, are, the, are the best fit for you. And I think fear of missing out is a, is a very powerful thing, and you can't let that impact you. Where I mentioned before the importance of discipline and focusing on uh, what you can control, having a strategy in place before you make any decision is something that we talked about before if you're going, to, if you're going this route. So I, I definitely agree with uh, what they're saying, but I really take it on a case-by-case, company-by-company, um, ex- example here.
1: I completely agree that you look at it by company. Uh, for their two statements, one, the, I wouldn't feel comfortable betting against the Magnificent Seven stocks, right? So they they may be right that that they'll revert revert to the mean, but to me that just that, that doesn't feel like a risk I'd be personally willing to take. The second half of that, opportunities in, in the uh, small cap space, I, I do think there are some opportunities there. Uh, and as the markets you know, bounced back the last few months, the small caps have, have done very well. I believe they've outperformed the S&P, but I need to, uh, need to confirm that. So I, I, I find both of their points interesting and uh, worth looking into. Uh, one of them, I, I truly wouldn't spend too much time on whether I think the Magnificent Seven are going to revert to the mean or, or not, just because uh, that doesn't, to me, doesn't feel like a valuable, an efficient or effective use of time, because I don't think I'm gonna get an answer from that. So I, I would I would uh, uh, defer to them to do what they'd like on there, but I do like the these small cap thoughts. Uh, their next one says, "Don't anchor to the here and now." A couple interesting points that they made that that, uh, that stood out. They had said that we uh, interest rates, the thirty-year fixed rate, uh, at in, at about the, at the turn of the new millennium, about two thousand, was at about eight percent, which is pretty much where it is where it is now. But people were were so used to the three percent or less rate that they're anchoring to that. Uh, and so the point being interest rates, yes, they've gone up, but they're on a historical context really not that high. You know, we just are coming off of a really historically low interest rate cycle, so it feels higher, but it's, it's not too far off. And the other thing they had said that uh, people are anchoring to is that the, the S&P is, uh, 500 is beating everything else and i've been vocal on on our podcast before saying that that i think with this higher rates have shifted us into more of a stock pickers market and a stock pickers market means that um, stock selection will outperform the indexes so i I, i'm a believer of of that i thought those were two great points
2: Mm -hmm. and that's just something too uh, we're going to be focusing on coming into the new year, if uh, rates continue to stay where they are, that's just something that companies are going to have to adapt to and which companies adapt to it the best. And fix their balance sheets continue to have great bottom line numbers are going to be the ones that are going to be more successful. And the other ones that still are struggling or can't grapple with higher interest rates, that's something else that people need to just really consider and, and look at. But, you know, it's a lot that really can impact companies outside of rates. Uh, I mean, the macroeconomic environment, too, is going to be at full focus as well going in the new year, and that's something, too, that can impact companies as well, and that's something that, you know, has has a lot of uncertainty around it, too, that you really need to consider when you're looking at companies, seeing what different companies get impacted by the different risks that could be out there.
1: Yeah. And that that's where uh, spending your time researching them is so important. Um, next, don't fear volatility. I I love this one. I would actually um, add a version of that to my my lessons when we get when we get to it. But they're saying instead of running to the exits, view volatility as your friend and seek uh, to take advantage of it. Buffett has a a quote which is. Uh, Actually, recent. It's from this October where he says volatility is a huge plus to a real investor, and uh, I want to explain why we spend so much time on this. In the investing world, oftentimes when you're looking at a at a portfolio, uh, the uh, academic world of investing will say volatility is a negative, right? Because and uh, the uh, you know using Buffett's quote that for the true investor or the real investor, volatility is a plus, not viewing volatility as a negative, but volatility as potentially creating an opportunity for you, right? The real risk in investing is is losing money, not how much a stock or something bounces up and down, so you can make volatility. Uh, you shouldn't, as uh, the article uh, uh, Rogers says, don't fear volatility, Uh, view volatility as your friend and actively seek to take advantage of it of the price movements.
2: Yeah, and I think this also comes down to maybe the individual or how your portfolio is structured. I guess that's my take from what you just described too, because maybe you'd say, I want to structure my portfolio in a way where half doesn't really move up and down, doesn't really get impacted by volatility, and the other half does, and I'm willing to take on that risk given where my situation is. So I guess it's really how you want to have volatility impact your situation. I think that's the key here.
1: Yeah, and and going back to what you had said earlier about focusing on what you can control, you can't control the volatility. So as you said, determine what portion of your portfolio you're willing to accept or try to take advantage of the volatility.
2: Yeah, and uh, I guess also it's uh, it's maybe different, too. Well, let's just say you're somebody heavily into options. I mean, volatility is like, I got to imagine, one of the biggest things you have to consider when you do that, right? Or will that maybe be something sure. else?
1: For sure. That'll determine the pricing of what you'll get and what's, what's uh, worthwhile. So yeah, you've got to really consider volatility there as well.
2: OK, awesome. Great. Anything else uh, on the list?
1: The- the last one they have, and then I'll go over uh, just three items on uh, on my list. But theirs was "Don't Bet Against America." I remember feeling very much this way personally during uh, the the pandemic when everything was crashing. But it, they say that, you know the markets have overcome a great depression, multiple recessions, global and regional conflicts, uh, modern day pandemic, and other unforeseeable blows. Through it all, America has endured, and. Uh, and we have every reason to believe she'll continue to do so. Uh, I completely agree with that. I think that not the the country itself and the people will figure out a way through uh, the problems that we that we will face. So I wouldn't wouldn't bet against it. Uh, do you have anything to add on that? or I'll jump into my lessons.
2: No, I mean, I agree. I mean, historically, America has been a resilient country. And um, I definitely like some of the points you you brought up as well. I mean, again, going back to what I mentioned, just what's the macroeconomic environment look like next year? How are geopolitical environment gonna look next year? And also we have an election coming up next year. So those are three things that come on top of mind that you have to look when you're uh, analyzing this category. But I definitely agree with you the resilience of America historically.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you that that goes into my uh, first lesson. I've got uh, three listed on here, uh, but the first one is I've in the past used hedging or shorting as a way to try to protect the portfolio and the and in, in the investments. And you know, sometimes it's worked well. Sometimes sometimes it hasn't. But in 2023 is the last time I will be will be doing that and the reason being is I think for me personally rather than hedging going to cash seems to be the better move because hedging can lose money but cash won't right cash you can argue it'll lose purchasing power but usually this is something we're not doing for years we're doing it for weeks or months to protect the portfolio but um, uh, rather than have a loss I'd rather just miss out on some gains because if the hedging is right there would be gains or protecting the portfolio whereas the cash isn't really going to make much either so that's one of mine that i think is is valuable and i'm not pushing these lessons on anyone else i'm just sharing my experience and giving you something to something to consider
2: what would you say um i'll do for both What would say (coughs) the pros and cons for shorting and hedging and then my second follow-up would be what would say the pros and cons to going to cash would be because i gotta imagine people would debate both sides of that
1: yeah i mean if you're if you're hedging the portfolio and you have something uh uh on the short side it'll give more stability to the to the portfolio and if the markets do go down you'll have some gains that are offsetting your your losses those are the positives and the reason for for going that route with the hedging uh the negative is if you're wrong with the hedging you've got you still have the lowered volatility, but your hedges are losing money, right? So uh, if—and if, um, if, my shift is that if I'm concerned about markets going down, there's something— some event or just some overall valuation concern, if I go to cash, I won't make money if I'm right about it going down but I won't lose if it goes up. And at the end, I'm trying to protect that cash for an opportunity to buy later when I'm hedging. That's my intent. And if I have less of it to buy later because it went down, that is counterproductive to my end goal.
2: Mm -hmm. So So once again, that's my personal
1: thought. There's gonna be a ton of people that disagree with me on that.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you answering that. Thanks for that. But what would you say the the pros and cons of cash would be? I, I gotta imagine the pros you said for the cash would be you won't lose any money.
1: Yeah, you won't lose any money if, if you're if you're if your belief is that things are risky and things will go down, you go to cash, you won't lose you won't lose any money. The negative is if it does indeed go down, you're not going to have significant gains as you would if you did have that short position. So <clears throat> with 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 uh, my goal, when I'm looking at these stocks to buy undervalued stocks and hold them for the for the long term, the hedging is not necessarily in line with that goal. Right. That's a different goal to either profit from a decline or protect the portfolio. It really is trying to profit from a decline with that part of the portfolio. So, but that's not my overall goal. I'm not necessarily someone who's trying to predict directions of the market or profit from declines. I just wanna buy those undervalued stocks and hold on to them. So if I don't find those stocks or I'm concerned that the market will take a hit, for me, I think cash is a better place than uh, a hedge because I'd rather the gains I would get from the hedging will, will I I don't think be that significant. So I'm not missing out on much, but the losses may cost me opportunities. It's less money I have to put mm-hmm. towards something else, so that would be more painful for me.
2: Yeah, and and with the cash, I got to imagine this example. You have to be tactical about it because this year we've had that conversation a lot. Are you making money on your cash? Why why it's on the sideline? Because with higher rates, there is more opportunity out there. And especially how high inflation was at the beginning of the year, too, that could eat away as well at that cash that's just sitting in there if you don't find an opportunity. But uh, I appreciate yeah, you agree you spending on that, notion.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that. What I would say a little differently with cash, yes, even though rates are higher, you earn a little bit, but cash is always going to, by its nature, lose to inflation. So you're going to lose, lose purchasing power. Cash, that that uh, hedging versus cash to me is just a move when you're concerned about, about markets. That's not, neither cash nor the hedge is an investment, right? They're both, they're both um, places to temporarily hold a part of your portfolio.
2: Cool. Yeah, um, I like that one. What would be the next one you have?
1: My next one is own what you'll feel comfortable owning in downtimes. And this go or really goes back two years, and uh, what I mean by that is, if you, a theme in 2022 that you would hear people talk about a lot were owning companies that already you know make things and do things. Kramer was saying that a lot on CNBC, and I I read about it other places and heard people repeat repeat his language, and uh, I think when you're making that initial invest, so to me what that statement means is there was a rotation people were going and this happened people were going away from some of the speculative stuff over some of the more stable companies and i would uh, i would say for me a lesson is if you're not if you wouldn't feel comfortable owning those speculative things in, in the down market you shouldn't have owned them in the first place right and so uh, some of those, some of those things are, you know, when I'm looking for a company, I want a company that's making money versus something that's losing and will eventually turn. And that, that's, uh, to me feels a different because the downtimes will come. And this to me is a way of preparing for it in advance. You buy this business that you like, you're invested in this business that you'd like to own. And when the downtime comes, you're not going to be thinking, Hey, should I sell it? Because you like that business, Right. So so I think you've got to have what um, what will get you comfortable and give you staying power to avoid making bad decisions in a in a down market like I need to sell because everything's down. Right. If you have something Mm -hmm. you really believe in, you're not going to sell just because the stock's down. Assuming nothing's changed with your thesis and you still do believe in the business and the company.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah, and I guess the only thing I'd add in that, that's something where you have to consider position sizing or how overweight or underweight you want to be in as well. These are all things that you really have to come to a conclusion before you make that investment decision and really have certain guardrails or parameters built in for if it does go a certain amount, you have a plan for it, or if it decreases, you have another plan for it, whether it's just to hang on to it or not. That's all something you have to decide on. Before you make that initial choice,
1: yeah, I think that's what you gave, shared is great information as well. Uh, and position sizing, uh, you know, going back to my my statement of holding things that you're comfortable with in a in a down market. Well, maybe you have something you really want to invest in, but you, and you wouldn't feel comfortable owning it in a down market and rather than saying no i'm not going to own it at all maybe you do as adrian said and just own a little bit own a little bit less so there are um, these lessons that i have uh, for mine are not necessarily hard and fast rules they're just um, useful information and knowledge i think uh, for everyone to use going forward i've got one last one I've got one last one that we, we talked about this at length in, uh, our lesson, in our episode exclusively about lessons for the 2022 market decline. And this one uh, just continues with me. And this, this is more of a 2022 than a 2023 le- lesson since it ha- sort of ended its, its time at the beginning of 2023. But I told you that um, in general, use options wisely. Uh, Getting more specific, if there is a long-term investment you believe in, buying an option, uh, and once again, this is for me, um, buying a call option, so an option on the stock going up, is not the way I'd want to Uh, want to implement my expectation of a stock going up the initial thought is you can leverage it and potentially have more uh, more gains however what happened to me that you know won't happen again and i would um, like to share this lesson to others is that the options put you on a clock in my situation i had a call option on a stock that expired in january and so because of that, I got zero dollars. I lost my entire capital because it expired in January. I was about two months early. Two months later, I would have had, uh, and I don't remember the exact number, but I'd probably have have um, something like a 300% gain, right? Two months later. So for me, that lesson is uh, if I believe something's going in 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 a direction and i believe strongly in it as i did in this scenario uh i still don't want to put myself on a clock a small a small gain is a lot better uh, than a significant loss or you know said differently uh, with with this with this stock and i don't have the numbers on it but let's just say i would have netted a without the options if i just put that money in the stock let's say i would have netted a low gain Ten percent. I think it's. It, I'm sure it was higher than that. But let's say I would have had a ten percent gain. Well, I'd rather have a ten percent gain than a hundred percent loss. And I think that's something that that everyone would uh, would agree with me on. So that was that's one of my valuable ones. So I'm just going to read through some of the lessons, starting with the uh, Rogers, which was don't Fed watch, don't buy the hype, don't anchor to the here and now, don't fear volatility, don't bet against America. Uh, Adrian's list. Two great ones that go beyond investing: stay disciplined, focus on what you can control. And my list was no more hedging and shorting. I like cash better than shorting uh, or or hedging. Own what'll make you feel comfortable in downtimes. I want to be able to own things that I won't be concerned about if the if there's a, a significant drop. You know, assuming nothing's changed significantly with that business, that company, or even the, that index. And then finally. Uh, If you're using options, use them wisely and don't put yourself on a clock, which the options will do when uh, making an investment decision. Any final parting thoughts, Adrian, before we uh, say goodbye to everyone until 2024?
2: Well, I just like this discussion because it really makes you just reflect and focus on some like the lessons and what you learn and just how to leverage that going into the new year. I think that's just something important that everybody really needs to consider. What what worked, what didn't work, and how can I be successful and capitalize on on what I can going forward. So I really enjoyed the conversation. And I appreciate you sharing those lessons, Roshan. Thank you.
1: Yeah, and I hope that that everyone listening can can take these lessons and and hopefully do something that's uh that's profitable or avoid a loss uh with some of the lessons we've shared and what, what we've learned. And here's to a great 2024, a profitable 2024 for everyone. And as we always say, take control and achieve your goals.
0: Schedule a conversation with Roshan, Adrian, or Eric today at RetirementLifestyleshow.com. Roshan and Eric are certified financial planner practitioners. They, along with Adrian, are investment advisor representatives and serve clients across the U.S. with financial planning and investment advice through RTA Wealth. If you found this show helpful, gain knowledge or enjoy the time you spent with us, tell your friends and leave us a five-star review. This will help others discover the show. To access our show notes, to download any of the tools mentioned in today's podcast, to ask us a question or to schedule a conversation, go to RetirementLifestyleshow.com. All opinions expressed by podcast hosts and guests are solely their own. While based on information they believe is reliable, neither RT Wealth nor its affiliates warrants its completeness or accuracy, nor do their opinions reflect the opinion of RT Wealth. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and should not be regarded as specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. The show hosts offer investment advice through RTA Wealth Advisors, LLC, and SEC-registered investment advisor, and securities through RTA Wealth Management, LLC, Member, FEMRA, SIPC, and NFA. Finally, our music is The Chance, by Jason Shaw in Audionautics. It's part of the YouTube Audio Library and it's licensed under a Creative Commons license. I am Ray Voices. Thank you for listening.